Welcome to Frequent Flyer here, the season five premiere finally on Brotherly Pod. It is Friday, September 2, 2022 here. And boys, it has been quite some time since we have sat down. You know, we had such a such a compelling, such a busy off season full of moves and trades and signings that man, it's just, it's gonna be hard to sit here and cover it all. But uh, for those of you that don't remember who my co-hosts are, Manny Benavidez is back. Manny, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It's been a long time, fellas. I hope everything's good months. with you yeah. with you guys. And I've got those. Uh, it's our season premiere. I've got the butterflies in my stomach. <laughs> and oh, wait a minute. We're talking about the Flyers? Yeah. Oh, sorry. It's nausea. Hang on. Let me get my puke bucket ready. <laughs> <laughs> And Mike Asito, as always, is back. Mike, how you doing? Gentlemen, great to be with you, as always. Looking forward to this tonight. You know, um, I saw uh, a tweet from the Flyers, and it showed uh, Chuck Fletcher trying to color coordinate his set of Legos. And I thought that was um, pretty par for the course for this summer. Uh, so hopefully he's gotten all the yellow pieces with the yellow and the red ones with the red. And, you know, looking forward to making sure that he's able to get through that okay. There's a good chance the comments on the tweet were turned off, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Way too negative. Yeah. Yeah. Was he was he successful or Well, he was in the process of doing it. Uh so they didn't show him actually complete the task yet. Uh but he was it looked like he was real serious and he was trying really hard to make sure that he could put each one in the correct bucket. Hey Aggressive Chuck, do you want to sign Johnny Gadrill? Hold on, I'm cleaning my legs up. <laughs> I'll be done in about three months. Well, I mean, we have, you know, some stuff to talk about, uh, and obviously their biggest free agent signing of the summer is in the, uh, you know, new food district, Chef, James Beard award-winning Chef Mark Vitree, their biggest free agent signing, hosting the MVP Pizza, because if there's one thing that's going to get my ass back into the Wells Fargo Center, it's a $30 slice of pizza. I personally, that's it. I signed up for season tickets. Mark Vitri Pizza, pump it right into my veins. I'm excited. It's the only move we actually have to talk about. It's definitely their biggest free agent signing in terms of, uh, you know, award winners. So there you go. <laughs> done and done. Yeah, the, um, well, the problem with all of those um, new famous chefs coming in is what ingredients are they using? Are they going to be using the Aramark ingredients? Because you can't. You can't Probably. make Mark Vetri food with Aramark. That's just not going to work. So you're going to use actual real ingredients. And if you do that, who's actually making it? Are you going to bring in, you know, some famous chefs to stand at one of the vendor spots and uh, and whip up some pizzas or um, yeah. or not? It's uh, it's it, it, it's interesting, although I don't think I've heard anyone say I ain't going down to the Wells Fargo Center because the food sucks or because they don't have any Vetri pizza or James Beard award winning food. Um I don't necessarily know if that was a big problem that had to be addressed. There's far bigger issues when it comes to this team when you look at the roster, I think. 
we talked about this a little bit on a uh, flyerside chat early in the week, but like, cool, it's a cool pizza place, new ideas, your your new stadium, awesome. But at the end of the day, do you really need to send out a full press release and all this stuff because you got like how fucking tone deaf is it that I need to look at my emails here and find a press release from the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center? Announcing a fucking pizza chef after this, you know, bang up job Chuck Fletcher just did during the offseason. Like, uh, I don't know, tone deaf is a good word for uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers right now, which I guess is, you know, a good descriptor of them just in general these days. But yeah, what uh, are you ready to drive down from Canada, Manny, and get your slice of pizza? Oh, absolutely, because this chef has more stars than the Philadelphia Flyers do. <laughs> Boom. I mean, <laughs> crying out loud. Like, I mean, that's I mean, that, it, that's a that's a game one, changer. Yeah, I mean that's a game changer right there. I mean, listen, I get it. Not every not every event at Wells Fargo is a hockey game. So if you go see a concert or whatever, yeah, okay, there's gonna be dining options available for the upscale and the business section and whatnot. But I, I don't know. For me, food is always better outside of the stadium. I do like to eat at the stadiums when I go watch a, a game, but it's you know fries a burger slice of pizza not exactly a, a fine dining uh, hotspot yeah because like you're watching the game you're in your seat and you're just kind of chowing away right yeah nachos that kind of thing but um i don't know like I-, I think you hit the nail on the head dan it's did did the whole flyers universe need to hear this in a tweet by the way the 76ers did not tweet that and I didn't check. I was supposed to. I don't believe the Philadelphia Wings, who also are in the Wells Fargo Center, I don't believe that they did either. So what does that tell you? It tells you the only ones that cared about this were the Philadelphia Flyers. They're the only ones that are desperate to sell tickets. Right. And and part of me is sitting there going, there's a, there's a thing out there. I don't know if you guys, Dan, if you studied media in college or not, if I can remember. A little bit. Okay. You aware of Marshall McLuhan? Yes. The medium is the message. Yep. That's what, that's his famous quote. So when you sit there and you go, okay, when you advertise things on Twitter, you have to know what Twitter is and how that message is going to come across. So when you tweet out about this five-star chef and this food and all that, do you need every single follower of the Philadelphia Flyers to know about this? Or should this be a message targeted to season ticket holders, business uh, partners, advertisers, people that are in the business community that are have a vested interest of bringing clients and things to the Wells Fargo Center? Why didn't the Comcast Spectacor account actually tweet that? They don't tweet much of anything, but... Like, that's the account for the arena, so I don't know why they don't have any jurisdiction over these things. The Flyers latch on to this stuff. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, obviously, it's not that big of a deal. But at the same time, you know, uh, they did put a lot of emphasis on it. So I don't know. How, how expensive are those pizzas going to be? Is it a personal pan pizza? Is it a slice? Uh, did they give any information on that? Let me see. I can gaze over the uh, press release real quick. Uh, Replace the bistro stand on the 11th Street side of the club level. Uh, aims to serve high-quality pizzas using only fresh-made dough. Oh, I'm hmm. glad that they are advertising that they want high-quality pizzas as opposed to 
shit-encrusted pizzas. <laughs> Low-quality pizza. We're going to put a Domino's up there or something. You know where they probably got this idea was the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park have a Manco and Manco pizza uh, in the outfield now, and that has like, been hugely popular. So I'm I'm thinking that the Flyers looked at that because it's been a pretty big deal at Phillies games. Um, and they wanted to get like a real high end pizza place. Now they had a Lorenzo's pizza there, um, which is famous. If you're not from the area is famous for extremely large slices that are almost the equivalent of like a quarter of an actual whole pizza. Um, but apparently that I think Lorenzo's and a lot of other vendors went away during COVID and they kind of rebranded everything with just Aramark. Um, so I think you're getting the large pizza slices, but you're not getting the Lorenzo's actual brand. Um, so maybe they're trying to bring uh, in some That happened with now. the PBL Center as well. A lot of the outside vendors went away during COVID and they replaced them with generic nonsense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, yeah. There's nothing on here that says what the cost of the slice is going to be, but you're not going to put out a press release hyping up a James Beard award-winning chef and then charge five bucks. So... You know, it'll be a expensive, uh, expensive, uh, expensive piece of pizza you can eat whilst watching the Flyers get their asses kicked into their ass nine one every single night for the for the next season. So, what sounds it's, better, really? It's interesting that you mentioned Aramark, both of you, because I went to two Blue Jays games this summer, and uh, when I got my visa at the end of the month, I'm like Aramark. What? <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm like, son of a bitch, the food, the hot dogs that I ate at the Skydome or freaking Aramark. He's everywhere. Dave Scott's talons are everywhere. Yeah, they I think they are a Philadelphia company originally, but um, they do have distribution in many different sporting arenas throughout the country and, and in Canada, obviously. Yep. Well, why do we just spend 10 minutes talking about pizza? Well, because there's not a whole lot else to talk about, honestly, in terms of the offseason. We talked, uh, I believe, last time we met, this is right after free agency, so we already ranted and raved about Nick Delorier. N-I-C Delorier, by the way, not N-I-C-K, you fucking morons. But, uh, you know, other than that, we got some RFA re-signings. Owen Tippett, two years, 1.5 per. Uh, Zach McEwen, one year, 925K. Morgan Frost, one year, 800K. Patrick Brown, I guess, was already signed. Uh, Allison's back, you know... Same old, same old. Not a whole lot of money. Uh, it was actually put out this summer because they, they were strapped. But all the RFAs are back, and, you know, they have, uh, we're running back into next season with the exact same roster that uh, finished fourth worst last year. And this will take us into some of our next conversations here about, you know, the, the fan response and the just negativity, quote-unquote, of what's going on this summer. So why don't we just kind of go around and, and give your general thoughts on the offseason, how they went down, and how you're feeling going into this season. Uh, Manny, why don't we start with you? I love the tort signing, so I'll give the Flyers credit for that one. But they kind of fumbled that with their free agency uh, stance and everything that they kind of did in the offseason because they're not really giving John Tortorella a lot to work with here. And it, it kind of leads me a little bit baffled because I thought this team was supposed to try to compete this year for a playoff spot with a hard-nosed, organized, defensive stalwart of a coach like John Tortorella to bring the best out of Carter Hart and Provorov and everybody else. And then they shit the bed in the offseason with new acquisitions. So I don't really know what they're doing. But listen, the offseason was a massive failure overall. 
It just was. And I don't understand, you know, what their goal was. And I see people online going, oh, that's because they're secretly tanking. They're not. They <laughs> oh, legitimately were trying. They were legitimately trying to get better. Yeah. And they failed miserably at every corner. Chuck Fletcher should be absolutely ashamed of himself for what the results were of this offseason. It was pathetic. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I've heard that argument quite a bit from people. That well, They're secretly tanking. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about it. Like, if they were tanking, if that was their end goal to tank, why would you sign John Tortorella in the first place? Wouldn't you just sign some random dude, you know, behind the bench? Like, And that was the thing is, when they hired Tortorella originally, it's like, oh, you know, this is great. It's the first sign of a turnaround, and they're going to have a big summer, and they're going to go into next season and be different and be great. And then that didn't happen. And it was to a point where, you know, doing all the writing that I do, I just kind of even forgot they hired Tortorella, you know, <laughs> because it was such a fucking afterthought by the time the offseason happened where Nick Delorier's here and JVR and Konechny are back. And it's holy shit. Took all the wind out of my sails that, you know, John Tortorella, like, this guy's got so much on his plate this year now. You know, he's got no help. He's going to have to try and whip these fucking into shape by himself. And... I don't know, Mike. What do you think? Do you think John Tortorella's got it in him to turn the ship around? Well, I wouldn't say all the way around, but I will say that I think he's going to squeeze out more from this group of players than Elaine Vigneault did, uh, at least for the majority of his tenure here, and probably take this team to a mediocre status. Um, I don't think that, you know, in terms of predictions, I guess, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're even a bubble team, but I I'm not so sure that under Tortorella, this team finishes bottom four, bottom five status. I think there is a decent chance that there's bounce back years from some of these players that Tortorella gets them to play at least as a, as a competitive unit. And the team finishes somewhere between, I don't know, eighth worst and 14th worst, which obviously is completely meaningless. It's the worst but, thing uh, you can do right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But as far as the off season goes and kind of, you know, main takeaways from it, I've, I've never seen messaging uh, as bad from a front office as I did with the Flyers over the past six to eight months here with that midseason press conference of aggressive retool, blank check talk. Uh, and then going into the offseason here, you know, it it seemed as if the team was primed to make some, you know, some risky trades, some risky moves. Um, and they really did virtually none of that. Uh, they sat back. It was pretty much complete nothingness. Uh, their signings were, were dominated by league minimum stuff for RFAs on prove it type deals. Um, and it really is not compelling. And I think that I don't know if the front office understands what it means to get fans engaged with the team based upon the players on the team, what you're doing from that standpoint. You know, we talk about engagement with fans in other areas through the social media account and through other initiatives, but it boils down to the roster and what you're doing. And you look at a team in Philadelphia, like the Eagles and the off season uh, that they had and the off season that the Phillies had last off season. I mean, they, there's some really compelling stuff going on here and the flyers did none of that. Um, I'm not sure how you can come back to your fans as a front office, as a general manager with a straight face after what they did here. I mean, given the messaging was so bad. So at the end of the day, this team is very boring. They are not interesting. 
Uh, they're probably not going to be very fun to watch at all, especially under a guy like Tortorella who coaches a more defensive-minded system. They don't really have any interesting players right now, especially on offense. Uh, so I'm not sure what they're doing here. I don't think they know what they're doing here. And uh, I think confusing and directionless would be my words to describe what we saw this offseason. And like... Goudreau and Debrincat, you could have had both of them if you really wanted to. At the end of the day, like that could have been your new top line. But here's the thing is like, and I've mentioned this on the Anthony show, like you didn't even need to go for that level of of talent. If you think back to last offseason, what did they really do? You know, not a whole lot. You you got Ellis, which obviously didn't pan out for him. You overpaid for Ristolainen, but then you filled holes with Brassard and Jones and Yandel, just a bunch of depth guys. But there was so much more confidence going into last season because you at least made a few changes. Whereas this summer, this roster is the exact same. Nick Delorier and Tony D'Angelo do nothing for me at the end of the day. And you're not even giving people like me, people like us, a chance to go, all right, maybe they changed. You know, here's that slight bit of hope. You know, if they got rid of Morgan Frost and Travis Konechny and replaced them with Dylan Strom and Nino Niederreiter, you know, are those two going to save the day? No, probably not. They're not going to be super game changers. But that's a legit 3C and a legit middle six winger you can throw in there and go, you know what? They're going to make this team better. I have a reason to believe this year that this team is going to be better than it was, that better than it could be, rather than trying to convince me that once the fuck again we're going to run it back with Couturier and Hayes and Konechny and JVR, the same shitheads that have been failing every year for the last fucking decade at this point. You know, there's no, no inspiration. And, like, I've been... Listen, for those of you that have been listening long enough, you may remember me as Negative Dan, right? Back in the day, there was a whole spinoff show because of it's kind of popular, if you remember. But, like, I don't consider myself negative. I don't. I'm just going to tell you like it fucking is. You know, if there was something worth getting excited about this summer, I would tell you. You know, there's a part of me that's excited to see Allison and Cates and Tippett and York and see what they can do at the NHL level. Maybe one of them actually breaks out and can be a goddamn star. But... That alone is not enough to make me sit here and go, oh, this is a great offseason. You know, you've failed to clear JVR. You've failed to move, you know, one of the defensemen. I just, it's the same fucking roster that failed. And as Mike was alluding to, Tortorella is going to mean something. But all he's going to do is take you out of the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. You know, but there's no way this is a playoff team. No way! There's no chance in hell this team makes the playoffs. And it just, at that point, what are we doing here? Why are we sitting here for another 8 to 14th place finish, another random fucking draft pick that'll be here in five years from now? You know, the, the amount of stock they have once again put into Forrester and Gautier in this 2023 first, it's, it's, it's just like Ron Hextall. I wrote a piece about this on Brotherly Puck earlier in the week. Like, why are we running it back again? I just. I realized the money was tight. I realized the market was changed. You look around the league, not a lot of money was cleared outside of Bjorkstrand and Brent Burns. I guess Pacioretty was another one. But, you know, those are guys that the teams lost their asses value-wise because nobody's moving money. So I get it was difficult, but fucking hell. You're telling me if you didn't move JVR, regardless of whatever the cost was, and just said Tyson Forster's going to make the opening night roster on the top line. Like, that 
want something, right? It's, you clear all the money. Fuck it. I don't even understand the direction and, you know, the, 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 the lack of direction. The fact that you sat here for months. We have a blank check. This is going to be an aggressive read tool. And they just lied straight to our fucking faces because of it. And then you run it back, and I'm supposed to sit here and be happy that I'm going to watch another fucking 82 games of JVR and Travis Konecki try to play hockey. It's insane the approach they took this year. And I realize, I guess they had to do that. You're not going to sit here and Chuck Fletcher and say, we're going to tell Johnny Gaudreau to fuck off because we don't want to spend any money. You know, like, I guess that's probably lesser of a market here. But, you know, doesn't Chuck Fletcher look like an idiot regardless now? Because if the team does have a little bit of success, if they can turn it around and at least get in the hunt of a bubble team, then he looks like an idiot for not going after Gaudreau or Debrincat or any kind of game-changing forward that could have pushed this team a little further forward. But if they come out of the gate here and they fall on their face and they look like a pile of shit, which is <laughs> a good possibility, then he looks like a fucking idiot for spending the entire offseason going, we're going to have an aggressive retool and we believe in this group of players. And they're going to fail miserably. So, I don't know. It's just the, the approach to the summer was bullshit. The team they're running back is bullshit. The, the, the whole front office is clearly in some kind of disarray here. And I don't know what happens, but uh, I cannot imagine that this ownership group, or you know, management group, I don't know about ownership, but this management group through, uh, sees it through the end of the season here if shit goes off the rails rather quick. I, I don't see how there's any way that Chuck Fletcher keeps his job. I've no like at all. No, unless, unless he make unless the Flyers going some against miracle all run. odds yeah. make the playoffs, even if they finish tenth place in the East, or they just miss the wild card by like three points, they still miss the playoffs. Yeah, like you still failed, and in in effect, he actually did an even worse job because the idea was to not be as good. Listen. Getting Connor Bedard is one thing, and I would love it. It would be a game changer. Imagine going into the next offseason knowing that you have Bedard at center and you don't even need Gauthier to be a center. Mm-hmm. You can keep him on the wing. And if that guy can turn out to be a top line talent or a Tyson Forrester, you're cooking. You've, you've got some stuff to work with. But instead, we're going to try our asses off to finish eighth worst. And for what? Chuck's not going to keep his job. This team isn't going to get better. They're still in cap hell. Nothing is going to work. I don't get the whole philosophy of this offseason. And that's why it's a failure. And that that report card that came out where it was D minus in every category. Did you guys see that? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was yep. the fan fan survey of confidence levels uh, front offices. Yeah, that was generous. TV. That that was generous. That was from <laughs> the school of thought of well, we can't fail the students, yeah. so we're going to give them a D minus. Meanwhile, it should have been an F minus on most of them, <laughs> most of those categories. Like, if you were to sit here right now and say, you know what, we'll guarantee you the number three overall pick, I'd take it right now. I'd take it right now. Oh hell yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. Like I don't get what they're going for here, and I would have much rather. I, I'll I'll put, pose the question to you guys. Look at this forward group right now, and there are guys that I do like, like Atkinson, it's and and Allison and other guys. But I would have rather that they just cut the fat off of some of this forward group, even some of the better 
quote-unquote players. And at least you come back with, you know what? Nobody's blocking Wade Allison now. Yep. Nobody's yep. going to yep. stop Tanner Lazinski. Nobody's stopping, you know, Cates. Nobody's stopping any of these guys. They're all going to be thrown up there. And come hell or high water, they're going to learn to play sink or swim under John Tortorella. He's going to teach them the ropes. They're going to play the season, and we'll see what happens. I kind of would rather have that. Yep, I've 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 thought about that quite a bit. Where you know, forget Gaudreau, forget adding, just clear Konechny, just so fucking one of these goddamn players has a roster spot. You yep. know, and, and this is going to be the big thing with Tortorella, and, and kind of what I've been you know, looking forward to this season is how does he play these guys? You know, is JVR going to be your top line center to start the season? Like what happens when Faraby comes back? Who sits? Does do Allison and Lazinski sent back down to the AHL and JVR is still on the lineup every night? Like, God, I, I just, and that's not necessarily not on Tortorella. I think most coaches are going to do that, but you know, getting rid of some of these veterans, cause you have these younger guys coming up. I mean, you've got a, an entire bottom six sans Nick Delorier composed of players that are in their, you know, early twenties that aren't going to be getting ice time because fucking JVR and Kevin Hayes and you know, all these people are still here after all these fucking years. You know, I, I just, I wish, I wish, I wish forget making additions, just clearing out a few bodies and guaranteeing these younger guys roster spots. And this is the thing, you know, is Allison and Lazinski going to make the opening night roster? Or do Patrick Brown and Zach McEwen make the opening night roster? Like, that's going to, like, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, God damn it. I wish you have, there's something to be said about an organization that is trying to build up prospects, but refuse to play the fucking prospects in any kind of meaningful minutes. It was a Ron Hextall disease, and now Chuck Fletcher's doing the same goddamn thing. So, you know, we shall see how this roster ultimately shakes out. But, yeah, that, that is one of those things that, you know, I wish we saw more of this year. Just deal connecting for a second-round pick down the line and, you know, guarantee Wade Allison a roster spot. That would be, at least be some kind of plan, some kind of tangible progress this organization could be making a direction. But, you know, asking them to pick a fucking direction these days is just too much for the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher. Yeah, and that's exactly right. They think that they're a playoff team. They're delusional. Yeah. They think that this team is far better than what they've done three out of the past four years. They think they've had the worst luck in the world out of any sports team in history with, you know, various injuries and other freak accidents and all sorts of stuff like that. This woe is me attitude that we just can't catch a break. And, yep. you know, maybe this year we'll catch the break and we'll make the playoffs. But if we don't, there's a built in excuse here. And that's that's been their messaging for years now through some of the Hextall era and through most of the Chuck Fletcher era. And you guys were mentioning a couple of minutes ago that, you know, we can't see Chuck Fletcher staying past <laughs> probably the end of this season, maybe even at Christmas time or earlier. And I agree with you, but just for argument's sake, I'm thinking, well, are, are there any circumstances where he could stay, uh, even if the team is not very good? And I kind of went back to something. I'm kind of thinking of something that I think, um, Anthony Sanfilippo had mentioned, um, earlier this summer about Chuck's decision-making process and how strange it is for a general manager to basically seek validation from five, six, seven other people before he actually makes a move. It's pretty much the opposite of what Ron Hextall did, where it was a closed room. It was pretty much him and maybe Chris Pryor, but probably Hextall only that was driving the ship. 
without input from anybody. And now you have Chuck Fletcher, who's almost immobilized from doing something because he needs to get everyone's approval before he does something. And I think that that methodology is is part of the reason why we're at where we're at now with no direction and no clear identifiable plan as to what they're doing because there's too many cooks in that kitchen. And that gets back to the question is maybe he does keep his job because if Dave Scott goes to him, Chuck can say, oh, well, I consulted all these people that you approved of in the organization for these moves, including yourself. You know, how can you how can you fire me? Because we're all in this together. So you'd have to fire yourself, Dave, you know, if I'm not going to be here. But that's that's one thing that went through my mind that he's so ingrained with ownership and everyone's so collective that they are not going to get rid of him because it's not his fault. You know, that was kind of, I guess, a series of um, of thinking that I had on that. What do you guys say on that? I could see it. I could see it 100 percent. And, and that's just, you know, I don't believe I don't give the organization the benefit of the doubt of doing anything right these days. So I could very well see you being like, Chuck Fletcher's fine back for one more year. You know, that kind of bullshit. But I do feel like there's got to be a scapegoat eventually. And and I think Ron Hextall kind of got to this way at the very end where you could feel the walls starting to close in on the guy. And I think we're kind of reaching that point with Fletcher. And, you know, if this team is even just mediocre on the ice. Nobody's going to pay to watch them. Their season ticket numbers are going to be shit. The arena is going to be empty every night. And those are the kind of numbers that are going to hurt. If they're going to miss the playoffs and nobody's in the building paying for your team, somebody's going to have to pay for the sins of that one. And Fletcher seems like the, the obvious choice. And again, whether that happens during the season or, or towards the end of it, I guess it will depend on their mm-hmm. ultimate performance. But yeah, theoretically, I would assume he's done. It feels like the walls are closing in much like it was with Ron Hextall. But at the end of the day, like, you know, the organization isn't exactly known for doing a lot of good things these days. So yeah, I guess it is very feasible that uh, Chuck Fletcher could stick around for the foreseeable future because they're just fucking incompetent. Mike, if if that scenario that you posed come comes to fruition, <laughs> I just like to torture us. <laughs> there is there is no more evidence needed that the entire decision making apparatus of this team is completely ass backwards and doesn't know anything. Yeah, like completely, completely. There is a and chance. I mean, I mean we and I mean, listen, we've been we've been kind of tooting that horn for a while. But I mean, there would be absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that that would be the case. I I recently I went on vacation to Quebec City and Montreal. Uh, I actually got back last week and I did a tour of the Bell Center and the tour guide took us around and we went into the Canadians dressing room and all this. And we went to the trophy room where they have, you know, the, you know, the replica Stanley cups that they've won and all that stuff. And they have the team pictures of every Canadians team since their inception, since they started doing team pictures. And he kind of told us, he's like, you know, and this team picture, you know, they usually wait until after the trade deadline to, uh, to do it. And he's like, uh, this this organization, we went through a ton of changes. You'll you'll notice the GM is gone. The assistant GM is gone. The head coach is gone. The assistant coaches are gone. And like he mentioned name after name of people that the Montreal Canadiens said, this season is not acceptable. We just went to a Stanley Cup final and we got our asses handed to us this year. And it's embarrassing, even though they could fall back on the excuse 
of, well, we don't have Carey Price because he's dealing with, with some things and, you know, our team's tired because we made the Stanley Cup Shea final. Yeah, Shea Weber. Weber or yeah, they didn't blame it on any of that. You're exactly None. right. None. They instead said, see you later, Mark Bergevin. You're gone. Assistant GM, gone. Vice President of Public Affairs, I'm looking on, gone. The, the coach, gone. Assistant coaches, gone. They are cleaning house because that's what they have to do because they have pride. They care. Losing in that fashion is unconscionable for that franchise. It is a pillar of a franchise, and a season like they just had, they cannot have. Period. End of story. And they won't sit there and do press conferences with some Muppet with a stick up his ass talking about, oh, blank checks and, and Jerry Mayhew and this and that and you who and all the rest. None. It's called we are going to get down to business and do what needs to be done to turn this thing around. And that's what I'm not seeing anymore. And that's what was missing that was used to have in the Snyder days, like it or not. And I mean, oh, do these old guys talking about Ed Snyder and stuff. But you know what? Shit got done when it needed to get done. And yes, they didn't. Things would not be this bad if Snyder was still alive. No. Not even close. You would have never let him get this out of control. It's just, it's just what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. You can hate, you know, Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren all you want, but at the fucking end of the day, that was the last time this team had any success is when those two assholes are running shit. It hasn't been the same since they haven't been here. Been on this new trajectory of bullshit. This Ron Hextall guy started the decline of the franchise, and the Chuck Fletcher asshole is just running into the ground. And as Mike alluded to, there's always some excuse. You know, that team in 1920, they had a little bit of success. They were getting there. They had that nine-game win streak. Things were looking good. Then the pandemic hit. And then they got their asses kicked in the 2020 playoffs. And then they came out and had a bad year. But goddamn, we're going to run it back. That was the injuries. And then the injuries. It was Couturier. And granted, if you fucking built a team that wasn't 40 years old, you know, maybe you wouldn't have all these fucking injuries. But... It's just, there's always that fucking excuse. And what's it going to be this year? What happens if Sean Couturier and Hayes are healthy this year? Then what? And then whose fault is it? What do you blame it on then? You know, it's just, it's fucking ridiculous that there's always something. You know, how many how many years can you run it back with the same roster before you go, you know what, maybe this isn't working. Because Konechny and Prover are in year seven. Sanheim's in year six now. Like, a lot of this core, they're not young anymore. These are the veteran leaders on this team now, and they fucking suck! God. Well, and, you know, one of our topics that we're getting into was, you know, are people being too negative about the team? And I I don't think so at all either. I think that people are being realistic about the team. Um you know, perhaps um, if you are an individual that is, you know, in your early 20s and you haven't really seen a lot of this franchise and you were perhaps too young when they were any good during even a pr- during the Chris Pronger era, um, it's important to understand, you know, for those folks and for even people that are outsiders that this didn't happen overnight. It's not like people are are angry about this team or frustrated because of just this off season. This is an amalgamation of almost a decade of just, just haphazard front office management, lack of development, lack of winning, just every layer that can piss somebody off. They've 
they've basically achieved. Um, and I think anybody that's that's been paying attention for more than a couple of years, anybody that's spent significant money on the Flyers over the years is on the same page here. Um, I really don't think it's too negative. I think people are just annoyed and frustrated at what's going on with them. And they're fed up. That's exactly right. Um, so no, it's not too negative. I think if, I think if you're positive about the team, you're probably either too young and have no context or you're not really paying attention. That's, that's, that's the conclusion I've came to. And I, I've heard it a lot of, Daniel, you're so negative. And I'm like, give me one palpable surefire thing to be positive about. Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Nothing. Well, Wade Allison, listen, I love Wade. I love these kids coming up, but, you know, I, I am, there's a part of me that's excited to see Tippett and Cates and what they can do, but that's hope. It's potential. It's, hey, maybe they'll be good this year. Who the fuck knows? Maybe Tippett never develops. Maybe he's just some random bottom six dude. You know, maybe none of these guys develop. They're just more random bottom six dudes like the fucking rest of the roster is. You know, that doesn't do it for me. That's not palpable positivity what is one direction if we sat here and you know they signed johnny gaudreau and uh, acquired to cat i'd be the happiest fucker in the world right now but they didn't do that because they're fucking incompetent now i'm watching jbr for another year like there's no there's no palpable positivity here for me mm-hmm. to even pretend to grasp onto you know I, I just don't i don't understand so I think a lot of people that mentioned to me on Twitter, well, you're negative. Like, they definitely seem like casual fans that, that just are not paying attention to how bad things have fallen because it's not their job to do so. I have to watch this team 82 times in the next few months. Fuck off, okay? I don't have the benefit of not watching them and not paying attention on doing this because i got to do this stupid show, okay? I just, ah, <laughs> uh, it just, I, I, I think the casuals, why are you so negative? And it's been the story of the offseason. If I told you on April 29th, the last day of the Flyers season, that they were going to pass up on a cheap Alex DeBrincat and a Johnny Gaudreau, the fucking Wells Fargo Center would have been burned to the ground because people would have been pissed off. But from April, the end of April to the trade, uh, the, the, the draft, that, that was 10 weeks, and everyone cooled off. And people were talking themselves at a DeBrincat, they were talking themselves at a Pasternak, and whoever the Christ came up with, we don't need him, we're fine. And then the draft, and then you know, free agency passed. Well, you know, well the, everyone was pissed off they didn't get control because everyone thought that was a surefire thing. Then the anger goes, well, now it's been another 10 weeks since free agency, and everyone's, well, we're back on board, this is going to be a great team, and Couturier and Connect, shut the fuck up! You know, it's just, the, the, the I don't know if, if it's just, you know, trying people trying to convince themselves that everything's great, despite all evidence to the contrary, or whatever the hell's going on here, but, yeah, the weird positivity side of Twitter, the fact that after all these years of bullshit, and nothing has changed, it's the same bullshit that failed miserably last year, I'm supposed to be positive about it. There is no way, if you're spending, like, $5,000 or, or more on season tickets, that you're happy about the state of affairs with the Flyers. There is no way. If you surveyed those folks that are shelling out that kind of that money. That are still left that didn't leave. Yep. I can guarantee you that 95 plus percent or more would say, no, this is ridiculous and I'm not happy with the team and I'm only holding out because, I don't know, you think a miracle is going to happen or, or your company's paying for it or something. But if it's coming out of your pocket, there is no way that you have a positive spin on this team right now. No way. And and for those that do, if we have listeners that do, please contact us. I would love to talk to you. <laughs> I, I swear I won't bite your head off. 
I just want to know why. But for those that are complaining about others being negative, uh, if you were investing 5000 plus a year, would you be singing a different tune? And I think the answer is clearly yes. I mean, look, there are some outlets out there that are incredibly positive all the time. And I would say unrealistically so. And that's their thing. And and whatever it is, what it is. I disagree with it. I think it's not really the the right way. I don't think it's completely honest. I think it gives a very skewed look at things sometimes. But it is what it is. And you know what? All the power to them if that's what they want to do. It is what it is. But at the same point, when you sit there and you go, I don't get where you can where you could possibly think that this team is going to be that competitive to the point where they're going to be pushing into a playoff spot. I don't understand how you can possibly be all, you know, how everyone was so negative after the Johnny Goudreau thing and how that was handled and fumbled and bungled by our front office. And it wasn't just the Goudreau thing that was bungled this offseason. There was many things that was bungled. And you sit there and you go, all of a sudden now where we are on the cusp of, you know, players are now starting to kind of show up back in Philadelphia and they're showing up at Voorhees and they're, you know, training camps around the corner. Now all of a sudden people are going, well, God damn it, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. The Flyers might go on a run and win the cup. Yep. No, no, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. I will yeah, and this give is... you I will give up my freaking kids college fund. I'm telling you right now, it's not happening. <laughs> That's as and much it... of a guaranteed bet as I can make. And this is the thing about, you know, the way they're operating as well is like, look, I I I love to use, you know, the idiom a broken clock is right twice a day. In this scenario, occasionally the Flyers are going to do something that looks good. That that is right. And then and then a lot of, you know, the talking heads will point and say, see, they did this, this, you know, they're on the right track. Well, yes, if a clock is broken and it's set on five o'clock, it is correct two times in one day. But the clock is still broken and is not going to give you the correct time. Okay. That analogy I think is very, very on point with what this team is doing. So occasionally, yeah, you know, they may, they may promote a prospect properly or, you know, somebody breaks out and scores 16 goals in a season and 38 points. Ooh, wow. You know, like, holy crap, this guy's are rising up the ranks here, but like, that is not evidence that the organization is on the right track. And I think that that's kind of the way that the majority of um, analysts are approaching this team and the folks that are, you know, just super positivity all the time are, are harping on it. Well, it's five o'clock now and the clock says five o'clock. So you're wrong. It's like, n that is not it. That's not it. It's not evidence of the organization making good decisions. Nope. I would agree. Just <sighs> go ahead, man. And I and I do think that some people do that. Just they want to be contrarian and they want to have the unpopular opinion for on the off chance that they're actually right. And they hit this like lottery of being right for some reason. So that they could sit there and say, I told you so. But but all logic would dictate that the Flyers are not gonna sniff the playoffs this year. That's just that's just that's just the way that it is. It is going to be another wasted season. Mm -hmm. The 
question is how how much of a waste is it going to be? And you look at the players on this team. Let's say hypothetically that a lot of these RFAs that the Flyers re-sign this offseason do mature and they start to flirt with, you know, perhaps not quite their ceiling, but they're making progress. Well, at the end of the day, what do you have then? You have a decent bottom six and a decent, you know, second or third pair right now. It's it's building the team kind of from the middle out which is a nonsensical strategy. You build the team from your best players down and you fill in like teams like the Tampa Bay lightning have and the avalanche have over the years to maintain that level of consistency. But for some reason, the flyers think they can either build from the bottom up or, or the middle out. Uh, and so let's say you do have a really good bottom six. Well, you have no first line players on this team. So where does that take you? And you're not getting those first line players because you're never drafting high enough to get them. So where where is this team going on on their strategy and their approach on the roster? And I think that, you know, people have discussed this ad nauseum over the past probably three, four or five, six months now, but it's blatantly obvious now that the Flyers have figured out a way to stay in an area where they're not going to win anything, but they're not going to be bad enough to get any good players. It's just, it's an infuriating way to operate a franchise. I don't really know many general managers that think that's a good idea in all sports, NHL included. Most GMs will take a route. They will say we're gonna we're gonna win or we're or we're gonna rebuild. And there are some examples where you can kind of do both at the same time. But the Flyers have tried to do that for a decade. They've tried to do both at the same time. And where has that gotten them? It's gotten them in a shitstorm of a number of long-term contracts that already look bad. Uh, and you know, a draft pick and cutter Gautier that is apparently going to be the one C savior of the future. Um, if they can even afford him after all the money they've ditched out. Yeah. That's the, they're putting all of their eggs in the basket of Forster and Gautier and hoping with everything that they've got, that those two turn into McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and come in and save the day and earn the new power couple. And it's like, what a horrible way to go about that. And listen, they're, I like Forrester. I can't say I've ever watched Gautier, but, you know, I've seen enough of Forrester at this point. Like, I like what he's got. I think he's got the tools to be a very good player, but he's also never played an NHL game yet. You know, it's hard. After the last 10 years being told that every single prospect the Flyers draft is going to be a superstar under Ron Hexall and watching that fail fucking miserably under that time, you know, you're hard-pressed to try and convince me that Forster and Gautier are the answer until they're here and actually showing up and doing that. And, you know, if you're going to draft dudes, I mean, I'm sure they'll both make the NHL at some point, you know, Forster maybe sooner rather than later, but, you know, like, are they going to be stars? Probably not. You, you're going to be good enough this year that you're probably not going to be in the in the Bedard race. So that, you know, and you've proven that you're not going to go out and acquire that talent either via trade or free agency because you just passed up on DeBrincat and Gaudreau. I've already had people say, well, Daniel, 2023 free agency so much better. And it's like, eh, you know, with, first of all, with what money, if David Pasternak is available, with, yeah, they have with, no money. With what money are you going to sign the guy? And even if you have the money to sign the guy, if they carve out enough cap to theoretically go after, 
does Chuck Fletcher have the balls to do so? When the hell was the last time he signed a notable free agent? Kevin Hayes? That was years ago at this point. You know, it's just like that that's not enough to convince me that next summer is going to be some safe haven of changes, that we just got to make it through one more terrible year and things are going to fucking magically figure themselves out. I don't have any faith in that happening because there's no basis for me to go off of, of established history of Fletcher, you know, doing these kind of things that need to get done. We're going to sit here and we're going to hope Forrester shows up. I'm sure we'll make the NHL at some point this season. That'll be the, He's their, you know, call-up that can save the day that, you know, he's going to be great in Mayuna. So you got that. Gautier's probably going to play in the NHL next year. Like, beyond that, I, I just don't see... I don't see where the change is coming from. It's the same strategy that we've been doing since 2014 when Hextall took over. We're going to roll out this team. They're not going to be very good, but God damn it, we're going to draft and one day they're going to be a star. It's the same concept that has failed miserably for 10 years that has produced this current shit state of a hockey team and we're still trying it with the same attempt i just i can't believe it when we actually sit down and talk about this shit this fucking miserable failure that is the philadelphia flyers and, and that's where when we on this show discussed the plan of going forward back in december or perhaps even january and we had the entire off-season, trade deadline, what did we say? Free up cap space, acquire draft picks. That's it. That's all you got to do. Dump whatever you can, get rid of as much salary as you can, because the goal is, again, you free up space, and then when teams are up against the cap and they they go, you know what, there's this shiny toy that we need to sign, well, then you're going to have to get rid of somebody. And if that player makes sense for the Flyers, the Flyers would have been in a position to take that player. But no, we'd rather go and get Tony D'Angelo. And Burns we'd rather... and Pacioretty would have been significant upgrades over Pacioretty and Deloria. Bingo. Or D'Angelo and Deloria, whatever the fuck. Right, 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 right. Right? And I mean, listen, not totally ideal from my perspective, no, but still not better than what they got right better. now. Way better than what they got right now. Yep. They have shown no ability to set forth a long-term plan or even, you know, an annual plan and execute it. I feel like they just fly by the seat of their pants and say, oh, if we can't trade JVR in 24 hours, then our entire offseason is ruined. There's no contingency to do anything. There's no planning around anything. They're not thinking about summer of 23 at all. They're not thinking about any of those guys. They're thinking about, okay, um, if we can't dump anybody, you know, by, by X date, or if we can't do something by X date, then we're just going to bring it back and just see what happens or something and have faith in our coach or something like that. There's nothing that they're doing that's showing they have an ability to plan long-term to target a player and figure out a way to get that player. They just they just take the leftovers, they take the secondary, the tertiary players, and they say, you know what, that's the best we could do, and you got to live with that. And it's just, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see stars on this team. I want to see elite-level players that can dominate the NHL. I'm so sick of watching second-rate players on the Flyers. Every freaking year, it's just second-rate players that they top out as. That they you know, signed we had, forever, by the way. 
Yeah, who are Under who are rewarded with years. lifetime contracts. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like honestly, I have no. I mean, I've ranted about like a Turier and even like a Scott Lawton. Like, they're very nice guys. Some of the nicest guys in sports in those two players. I have no desire to watch them play hockey for the Flyers anymore. Just zero. I've seen them for, I've seen Lawton for eight or nine years, Couturier for 11 years. I'm done. I'm good. Thank you for your service. We need to move forward with something. And Dan, you've mentioned it with other players, like a Provorov and Konechny. Year seven. This yep. this seventh year with the Flyers? Are you kidding me? Seventh year, and we're still waiting for them to develop. We're still waiting for them to break out. You know, Konechny's going to be a goal scorer one of these days. <laughs> you know, just fuck off. It's been three years since he had a good season, and seven years in total, and he's never shown anything close to stardom. But God damn it, if we keep running it back one of these days, he'll hit 25 goals. Fuck. But even even if your game, pl- no matter how much people, some people like Travis Konechny out there, and there are people out there that do. I know that we There's have a, a lot negative... of people like Travis Konechny yes. for some fucking ungodly reason. Even if you love Travis Konechny, wouldn't it have made much more sense this offseason if Chuck Fletcher had done the due diligence and all the groundwork way back in December leading up to the trade deadline where you sit there and you go, okay, we're going to try to trade James Van Riemsdyk and free up that cap space to do some things in the offseason. Yeah. But if we can't, it would it be feasible to get rid of Travis Konechny? And if that means, even as beloved as he is by some segments of this fan base, if you could go out and then go and get a Johnny Goudreau or a Debrinkat to replace Travis Konechny, isn't that a win? Yeah. It is think. in my book. Yeah. Absolutely. Konechny like, is the guy above all else, even above JVR. Konechny is the one guy I cannot believe is still here. I thought for sure in some way this guy would be gone, whether it was to clear his cap and give the roster space to someone else, whether it was to use him to acquire as a legit center. Like, I thought for sure Konechny would be gone in some form or fashion, but nope, he's still fucking here. This goddamn cockroach just won't die. <laughs> I just and- can't believe that. I can't believe the tolerance for the lack of chemistry that this organization has. They don't care if players don't work together. They're just like, oh, well, he had a moderately decent statistical year, so we're going to sign him for another six years. Like, (laughs) why do you see that? Like, there's no chemistry that these players have with each other, yet they're constantly here. Yep. And if you really think about it. All those stories that came out about Travis Konechny was approached by Flyers management. Hey, we could have traded you, but we believe in you. and We're going to give you one more. Two years ago now. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you know what? Like, what what else does this guy need to do? Like, either you want him or you don't. And that's the, the biggest pet peeve of mine with this franchise is they just hang on to players for dear life. Like, they will suck every ounce of blood out of a player until it's like quite clear that this player is not what they thought that this player was going to be. And they will just hang on and hang on and hope against hope. And it's like, guys, at some point you have to sit there and you've got to, you know, shit or get off the pot. You got to make a decision because there's a player's trade value as well. Remember when Van Riemsdyk had that great year and half of Flyers Twitter was like, you can't trade him. He's our best goal scorer. Oh, Gossip Bear was the him. same way. We, so when he's bad, him. we can't trade him because his value is low, but when he's playing, we can't trade him because he's playing well. 
Yeah. Hell, I wanted to trade Couturier after the Selkie season because yes, of his value. They should have gotten point. rid of him Couturier years ago when his I value mean, you was high. And his contract was the low. Team, seriously rebuilt the yeah. team in like one off season with that. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It's just, and and now we got the Sanheim potentially looming extension. Why deal him in a draft, by the way, that they just deemed so valuable in 2023 that they can't get rid of JVR because they don't want to lose a pick, but we got to keep, oh, for fuck, if they trade Sanheim at the deadline, you, you can absolutely get an extra 2023 first for the guy. Undoubtedly so, but now we got to lock should. him up for six fucking years at $8 million, kill any value he has both now and in the future, and waste another fucking time and stick it onto a player that's only slightly above mediocre. Because it's just what the fucking Flyers do. I'll, let, me put, let me ask you guys, in terms of a percent of probability, if Chuck Fletcher is the GM, What's the chances that Sanheim gets re-signed and not traded? One hundred percent. I put it at close to one hundred. One hundred percent. I think very high as well, Manny. Yeah. Now the question is, well, I haven't looked. I know the cap situation isn't good, but yeah, I would imagine that they would prioritize his long-term extension over virtually anything else. Sanheim's basically your only contract worth a note next summer. And they theoretically have enough money to do with JVR's cap coming off the books. But, you know, if you re-sign Sanheim, even if it's just six by six, which if that, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind the day that happens. But, you know, if that's the case, you eat up a vast majority of whatever small cap space you do have. And I've wrote pieces about this in the past, like the 2023 cap. Everybody, well, it's going to get better next summer. Spoiler alert, everyone. It doesn't fucking get better, especially if you re-sign Sanheim. Because that's the only money coming off the books is JVR and Sanheim. With the, you know, the the sorted random vet minimums out there and whatnot, Troy Gross and bullshit, but there's no money coming off the books, and if you commit to Sanheim long-term, that eats up all your money anyway. You don't even have a shot to go after David Posternock. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just, it's fucking... I, I cannot believe when I when Anthony started the thing that they were going to resign Sanheim, I cannot believe... Actually, I can believe. That's the problem. But the, the, the thing... Look, there's no reason. You've got York. You've got Samula. Now you've got Emil Andre who put his name on the map. You've got Ivan Provov locked up for three more years. Why... In the fucking hell would you resign Travis Sanheim? I can't think of one good reason. If he was a right-handed defenseman and you've got nobody else in the system behind him, all right, fine, I'll at least hear you out. There is no reason they have to assign, extend Travis Sanheim. None. Not one. Not one reason Sanheim should be here next year. But he will be because they're fucking a bunch of incompetent assholes. That's going to be Chuck Fletcher's last dude. He's going to get him signed as quick as fucking possible, get fired at, you know, before Christmas, and we have to deal with it. It's like goddamn JVR's contract when Ron Hextall left. Here's one last middle finger on my way out the door that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of time. God, is it hot in here? It's fucking hot in here. <laughs> yeah, they could give Sandheim that extension, uh, like right before training camp starts. I mean, he's already there. You know, we saw him that uh, that great hype video that came out. He looked uh, he looked real happy to be there <laughs> out in Voorhees. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, they could give him an extension before for training camp. I mean, that wouldn't shock me. They reward everybody just for showing up. I mean, just for being even if you don't show up, you're still rewarded. A.K.A. <laughs> <Hey>, Ryan Ellis. <laughs> See. And if you think about it, a lot there, I don't remember who it was, but it was like a hockey writer on Twitter that said that the Flyers were trying to dump contracts, and a lot of people were looking at these contracts and the the players and going like, "Yeah, we we we're not interested." Sanheim is a guy like 
I'm not his biggest fan, but I will admit he had a pretty good season last year. He was fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not married to the guy. Like if you can trade that and get some draft capital and free up that money, it gives you more flexibility. And I know it's not what is ideal in a perfect world. Maybe probably would resign him, but we're not in a perfect world because we're strapped to the cap. We've got no hope of getting out of some of these contracts right now. And, you know, like the, the prospects are grim for, for, for the future here. So you can't just give everybody a six, six, seven year extension and hope and cross your fingers that somehow everybody gets their shit together. And it's not an indictment on Travis Sanheim. It's more of an indictment actually on Chuck Fletcher and the management team because they've continually given out these contracts and put us in this position where we're, we're going to be a checkmate here. We're going to lose the chess game here. Yep. If we re-sign this guy, there is no way out for God, when does, when does Hayes come, come up? Three years? Four years, I think. Four, including this season. Yeah. Unless yeah. you trade him when his trade protection is gone. Mm. And good luck with that. Because if yeah. Chuck's at the helm, he has been so ultra-conservative in his management style here. It's been like as if it was Ron Hextall. Like, there, there's been They're no, the same people these days. Yeah, it's the same the person. One, the mm. one move that he made was the Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick and... Uh, Phil Myers. Phil Myers. Myers. And I mean, everyone thought that that was a complete ripoff trade and that we won that. That's the only reason why he made that trade. He thought he totally fleeced David Poyle in Nashville. He was just doing a a cap cap, uh, service for his friend uh, David Poyle in Nashville. Just eating that contract. Yeah, he's eating a lot of something else. (laughs) It was stupid, too. We mentioned it earlier this summer, but... I was thinking about this recently is that I just can't I really do think the trade for Ryan else was ridiculous based upon what you had to give up, which were borderline NHL players, one of which was constantly hurt and had a very, very bleak future based upon those injuries for a guy that was largely injured over the past couple of seasons. And there's no market for him. Why was there no market for him? Like that a should top be right-handed defenseman flag. went for yeah. a potted plant and an AHL level defenseman. Yeah, like, like that at the you know that seemed like a fleecing at the time, but now with the benefit of hindsight, like that was absolutely a dump by Nashville. They, it's just too good to be they true. Knew about the injury or not, which I'm still not entirely convinced they mm-hmm. did, but they knew. Holy shit, this contract's gonna bite us in the ass sooner rather than later because it's six point two for like eight years or whatever the fuck it was. Like we gotta get out of this shit immediately. Let's sell this guy off to Chuck Fletcher because he's a fucking gullible asshole. We can do whatever the fuck we want with him and they got rid of the guy for practically nothing it was a big yeah. win and then ellis played all the four games before we'll, we'll never see him again yeah like if you want to do that like i can see the flyers trying to make a risky move like that um but the fact that there's no market for the player is the first major red flag and the second major problem is you don't acquire a player where there's no market for and hope and pray that he can be your best defenseman. He has to be literally possibly one of the top one, two or three players <laughs> on your team. And you are investing to acquire that player in an environment where there is no market for that player. Yeah. So what kind of, trade what kind of philosophy you're thinking went into that it's like oh nashville's just too stupid and all the other gms are too dumb to recognize that we can have a first pairing top level defenseman with a large contract uh for nothing it's just it is mind-blowing you know 
I liked the trade when it happened because it sounded good. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. But I was still skeptical why why it happened because it sounded too good to be true. And it certainly was. Uh, and it's just indicative of how freaking brainless Chuck Fletcher is when he's making these moves. I mean, it was an idiotic move. Isn't isn't that a red flag? If there's no market for a top pairing defenseman, shouldn't you kind a of top pairing right hand defenseman you got for nothing? And then two weeks later, you gave up multiple draft picks for Rasmus Delinen. Right, like, hmm, that's odd, when Ellis is clearly the better player. That should have been some kind of fucking red flag, but mm-hmm. no! Nah, yeah. who needs it? It screwed him. For, I mean, that's just one of the many things, that it, but it's such an outstanding issue here. It it can't be overstated how horrible this situation is for them. It is just, it, it is a train wreck. He's got one other five years at six million. At least, yeah. yeah oh, he's, oh, and he's not going to start this season. No. Uh, says Tortorella, and yeah, the <laughs> the understanding is it's degenerative, and he won't play. So how do you get out of that? And, and it's and the fact the Flyers are trying to allocate, they're trying to say, oh well, he may or may not come <laughs> he back. May so we come have to back allocate this year. We we need to wait and see. And it's like fuck, we can't add legitimate players because Ryan Ellis may come back and play four more games before he realizes he can't go anymore and has to retire officially. So we can't add, you know, another right-handed defenseman out there. We can't get Klingberg at one year. We need to wait for Ryan Ellis to come back, goddammit. I mean, if they do re-sign Travis Sanheim here, they would have Provorov making, what, six and change or six on the dot? I believe, yeah. They'd have Ryan Ellis making six or six and change. They'd have Ristolainen making five five and a half. Uh, D'Angelo, what, 5-8 or something? And then Sanheim at you know six to eight. At like least you can't six, have a yeah. defense like that. It's That's just a very, is ex- very, very expensive defense for being relatively lackluster. Yeah, it's just like nobody. So what the fuck happens if Ryan Ellis gets healthy? Holy fuck! That's where do you even come up with that kind of cash to have that kind of defense? Jesus Christ! They have the, you know they have a little bit of cap flexibility now because Farabee and Ellis are starting the season on IR, but. Holy fuck, when Ferry comes back, things are going to get real tight. And Ellis, I would assume Ellis plays at some point this season. I think he's going to come back. I think he's going to try it out. He's going to feel good enough for to get on the ice for a few games and realize that he can't go. I assume that's what ultimately ends up happening with this Ryan Ellis saga. But uh, I don't know. If he has to come off LTI, where are you going to get the fucking cap to do that from? So I don't know. That's a problem down the road, I suppose. We got all kinds of shit problems coming up down the road this year. But um, I guess we'll call this one an episode. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, well, that was a good one. I haven't ranted and raved like that in quite some time. I definitely needed this as we prepare for the, uh, you know, the training camps and whatnot. That'll be here soon enough. It's September 2nd already. I believe the rookie games are the 16th and 17th. So a couple weeks. A couple weeks. So Look for Wade Allison in both of them again this year. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he needs the playing time. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, everyone. Um, at Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Podcast, Brotherly underscore pod. Plenty of stuff up on the website now. Got uh, Flyer Star Chat on Monday. Anthony will be back probably Wednesday. So you can uh, check that out. And uh, Manny, where can people find you on Twitter? At Manny Benavidez. And as always, Brotherly Pod, Brotherly Puck feels great to be back with you guys. I felt backed up earlier today. Now I'm ready. Now I'm angry. <laughs> now I'm really angry. I'm pissed off. Thanks, guys. I needed this. You should be positive, Manny. It. How dare you be negative about the Flyers right now? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's all kumbaya and roses. <laughs> <laughs> Mike! <laughs> Find me on Twitter at Flyer underscore AF. And uh, as the season starts to heat up, so will my tweets. So looking forward to seeing you there. 
All right, everyone. Until next time, goodbye and good night.